Anchored in Reaching is for curious people who want to explore the story that God is writing in history and who are looking for their own place in that story to find meaning and vibrancy in their life and vocation. I'm Kevin Manoya. Join me each week as we probe the edges of faith and living, always in relation to God who knows you best. For some, it'll be an opportunity to anchor yourself more securely in your faith. For others, it'll be motivation to reach out to engage more broadly. In either case, these conversations should encourage, enlighten, and challenge you. And we're back here on Anchored in Reaching, and I'm really glad that you've joined us. Hopefully, you're listening to this maybe in the car, maybe to put you to sleep at night. I hope not, or maybe in an afternoon activity that you're engaged with. But in any case, I hope that uh, this particular conversation will be something that you will remember for a long time. Uh, We just finished the series that uh, focuses on living the holy life called Masterful Living. And as I promised a number of weeks ago or a number of series ago, we're going to try to get an opportunity to capture the time of some newly elected top denominational leaders. Now, I call those people denominational heads because in some cases they're called bishops, other cases they're general superintendents, other cases they're presidents, or they're called executive directors. So I just say, you know, the top level leader of a denomination And we get another chance to do that today. And I want to remind you that Anchored in Reaching continues with these series and periodically we'll be introducing these wonderful people so that you get a chance to get some insight into their thinking, understand a little bit more about the burden that they carry. And sometimes it puts a face or rather a voice, I guess, you know, with names and uh, it gives you a little bit of insight into how these denominations and these senior leaders have an opportunity to work, minister and bring the kingdom on earth. Uh, I want to remind you that if you want to drop us a note uh, on anything, podcasts at anchoredandreaching.com. Um, drop us a note. Love to hear from you. But it's really a privilege to have Bishop Kay Coldy with us. Um, and Bishop Coldy is is talking to us from Michigan right now, newly elected bishop in the Free Methodist Church USA. Um, Kay, if I can call you by your first name, I that would be Please. great. Thank you. Thank you. It's really great to have you here. And I appreciate your taking time to join us. I love the opportunity to have a great conversation and get to know you a little bit and um, talk about what's going on in the world of the Free Methodist Church and how that is intersecting with my life right now. Ah, that's a really good and interesting question. Um, This is something that is an election that happens by all of the delegates from the United States and other countries that come together. So you were elected as one of three bishops to oversee this denomination. So you bring it up. How how does this intersect with your life? And how do you maintain? I mean, what you know, the personal element of being a pastor, being, you know, a woman of God, and now all of a sudden this this burden on you. Well, I did sense in the 10 seconds after election results were clear that a load of weight fell on my shoulders. That is how it felt. It was also, of course, a huge honor that the church would um, trust me and believe that the Lord would use me, I think, in large part because the church was seeing 
my dependence on the Holy Spirit. I have Mm -hmm. often said that I'm living proof that God uses unexpected people and people who sometimes might be perceived as unqualified from a a worldly Mm -hmm. perspective. And I am coming out of the local church, pastoring um, in a context where we saw really great revitalization and amazing things that the Spirit was doing among us and bringing great life. So for me, the biggest change right now is to leave my local church and uh, to leave a team that was in my proximity all the time. Mm -hmm. I've said the incarnation matters. (laughs) So the idea of incarnational presence with people is really meaningful to me. So here we sit in rooms on opposite sides of the country having a conversation. I'm grateful for it, but Mm -hmm. it is a process that I am adapting to, Mm -hmm. to have my team literally spread around the world. Yeah. So let me pick up on that if I may, uh, Kay, because, you know, just in knowing you a little bit, um, the sense is that you have a pastor's heart. And I suspect that's one of the reasons why the general church uh, probably um, wanted you in this role. And so likely the intimacy and the presence and proximity you're talking about with a staff at a local church and with a congregation of people, now all of a sudden going to almost a completely distributed um, flock, so to speak, or congregation. So how do you navigate that? And and, uh, is that one of the biggest challenges that you face in assuming this role? Yeah, I am... Gifted as an apostle, teacher, shepherd, but Mm -hmm. I love new challenges. I love that the Lord has given me the opportunity to make connections first across the country and, and now around the world. Those are some things that really energize me and excite me. I think the distance from the local church, what I grieve is that proximity to, to seeing lives change. And that doesn't usually happen overnight. So it requires journeying with people and um, the fruit of prayer for people and over people that you can see as you are part of a local church community. Those things in combination with how I have experience the spirit revitalize ministry and communities and people it's been being part of a team so i've greatly valued uh, the teams that i've done ministry with and so i'm just relearning how to be a team with people i am not physically with Mm -hmm. and maybe in some cases you may not see very often at all if at all but you've got to you got to work with them right yeah. I Last week I was on a call with superintendents from some of our Asian conferences, and it started at nine here, uh, my time, which is about my bedtime. And we stayed on longer than we had planned, and I hung up literally filled with joy. Um, the Spirit just filled me with joy to see these brothers you know, see their faces at least on Zoom and hear their voices and pray with them. And so that's just a new 
a new way for me to be with people, collaborating with people, supporting people, loving people, uh, hopefully building health and wholeness into our leaders. I mean, I have a big passion for that. Uh, we can have all the great strategy in the world and um, pray continuously. And if our leaders aren't healthy, it's all going to blow up. So uh, yeah. those are some of my passions. I still get to engage in those. It's just different. So I'm, I'm learning what that's going to be like. Well, and, and my hunch is what I'm hearing is that, you know, with, the, with, with the role and the burden of the role, um, there is also, and this is probably true of, of your life in pastoral ministry as well. There's this journey where your personal journey with God converges with and weaves together with your embrace of the, of the calling and responsibility as a spiritual leader. And so it sounds like, to me, that's what you're navigating in, what, three months' time or however long it's been since the General Conference elected you. And you're just continuing the journey of how do I weave my personal spiritual journey with God into and with this calling, which seems to me to be a pretty healthy pattern of leaning into uh, a new role with all humility, Um but, but am I picking that up, that you're kind of weaving those things together carefully? Absolutely. And I would say that challenges in ministry have been the greatest opportunities for learning the presence of God in my life. My marriage, I'm grateful. You know, we married 28 years. We love each other. Our kids are doing well. Um, it's really been ministry where I've experienced the most painful things mm -hmm. and greatest challenges and just experienced the presence of God in such powerful ways um, so that without a doubt, I know how the Lord loves me and I know how the Lord is for me. And so in this new season, the challenge, the burden that it is, I have no other expectation that I'm going to experience that presence and power of God in, in me and his love for me and continue to learn how to bring together uh, the wisdom of the spirit and life and education and voices that speak into leadership of the church um, with complete and utter dependence on God, right? Like, um, that's always this tension that we're living in as leaders. How do we live dependent and yet offering up all that we've received as gifts and experience and wisdom and knowledge? And that's, I love that part of following Jesus um, as a pastor, as a leader, as bishop of the church. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I think that's another thing that, you just are weaving together step by step and hopefully always in community with others yeah. who are doing the same. Yeah, a really good observation. Um, and, and again, the word that comes to my mind as you're talking about this is 
both pastoral identity, whether it's at a local church level or at a regional level or at a denominational, national, or international level. It's it's pastoral identity. And the other word that comes to mind is permeability, the permeability of your life and calling with the role and responsibility that you fill without getting those things confused so that you don't become what you do, but you allow yourself to uh, embrace the circumstances to form you, right? Um, can, Can I go back to a comment you just made a moment ago that most of the pain you have experienced has been within the church? And, um, can you just explain that a little bit? And I realize that this may be taken a completely different direction. I mean, you know, when we first talked about this, when I kind of told you, here's what we're going to do and get to know you and all of that, and people probably expect, well, I want to know what the Free Methodist Church is, and I want to know what a bish- does, what, what does bishing mean, <laughs> you know, that kind of a thing. And now I'm, I'm really going on into a different direction. But in reality, what an opportunity to talk to you about that kind of of uh, understanding when you say some of the most deep pain you've experienced is within the church, and that has been some of the most formative opportunities for God to shape you and weave his spirit into your life. Can can you just unpack that a little bit? I mean... Uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, this is a great way for me to give uh, witness to how good God is to me. So I did not grow up in a Christian home and really knew absolutely nothing of the gospel, although we would have called ourselves Christians. It was just a cultural identity. And I definitely knew pain and hurt, uh, some hard circumstances growing up that impacted me and my formation And I put faith in Jesus as a young adult in grad school. So when I say, you know, those greatest places of pain, I really mean as an adult. Mm -hmm. And I wrestled with the calling to ministry for for some years. (laughs) Uh, Really kept telling the Lord, you know, I'm serving in the church. It's good. I don't need to step forward for ordination. And that was really out of fear and uh, you know, a past of people pleasing um, and seeking human approval. And I was in a context where I had not seen women women pastoring uh, and had always been told that women pastors just were part of denying the word of God, you know. Mm. So I didn't have a context, even in a free Methodist church, I really didn't have a context for it and had largely been influenced by evangelical voices that don't support women in church leadership. And so I wrestled with my calling for years, (laughs) actually every year uh, for three years in a period of fasting and prayer, 40 days of fasting and prayer at the new year, I heard the Lord speaking to me about my vocation, just being in the church uh, for the rest of my life. And I kept doing something, but not really what he was asking of me until finally I was impressed that what I was hearing is if you don't step forward for ordination, you're being disobedient. Yeah, it's pretty direct. That's pretty direct. That was the end of my research and questioning and taking half a step forward. So 
at that point, once I knew, um, for me that I heard from, from the spirit, the resistance that I faced was really confusing and painful because you're in one of those situations where saying, okay, God, if you called me, why doesn't this seem like it's possible? (laughs) Why, Mm -hmm. why? And I was receiving affirmation of spiritual gifts in my church body, but not for pastoral ministry. That Mm -hmm. was a bridge too far for some folks. Um, Also family that I have who are Christians are don't have the same hermeneutic around this issue. And so that also felt like a really painful rejection from some family members. It created some distance and um, tension in our family. So that was also a real challenge. Um, and then negotiating as a woman, um, I had small children and had taken primary responsibility for the caregiving of those kids and um, was in a place where I didn't feel like it was uh, the time was right. And I probably didn't feel like it made sense for us to go somewhere else on the basis of pursuing ministry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like I was kind of trapped where we were like, God, I, I want to answer this call, but I'm bumping it up against roadblocks every step of the way, um, which felt painful. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, as I persevered through some of that time and came into church ministry, as you know, I know you have a pastoral background, Mm -hmm. the church just can deeply wound itself. And so Mm -hmm. I've had some of those experiences where, um, you know, you have committed yourself to love and Mm -hmm. lead with integrity and People can still malign your character or mm-hmm. question your motives, and it's incredibly painful. I think I don't know pastors who haven't had that kind of experience, and that hasn't been, you know, an ongoing experience for me. Or goodness sakes, I don't think I would have been even in a position of being nominated for this sure. role. Um, but those kinds of normal hurts have been at times really painful and hard to work through. I think Mm -hmm. some of my inner healing journey during the years when I was trying to be obedient to my call was um, God walking me through a process of realizing his approval and security from him and obedience to him was going to be the greatest blessing. And there is never anything more important for me to communicate about a holy transformed life than the blessing of obedience by the power of the Holy Spirit is going to be your greatest contentment Mm -hmm. and joy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Jesus Mm -hmm. uses those words to us, right? Like when you obey my commands, you will experience the fullness of my joy. So those things in, in balance with the pain that came from other people Mm -hmm. has has really shaped me and my desire to 
be obedient, to make myself available as a servant of the church. That's how I find myself in this place where I am today as a bishop, Mm -hmm. to continue to say, um, Lord, if this is your will, Mm -hmm. may it be so in me, may it be done in me. And I think that place of healing is much of what makes me strong. Sure, sure. Well, it's it's reminiscent of of words that I read in Scripture, actually, in... uh, in uh, Luke 1, Mary, I am a servant of the Lord. May it be with me as you have said, right? Mm-hmm. Um, complete availability, complete surrender to the nudges of God, the use, the kingdom. And it's also very interesting. You know, my mind is spinning in a thousand different directions as you're talking, Kay, because, you know, I found that in scripture and in the personal journey of calling to full-time ministry and even to other vocational ministry, there's a call, which is exciting, but then there is usually um, a Garden of Gethsemane and a Calvary where there is this painful self-surrender before there is flourishing and abundance and fulfillment uh, in calling. I mean, the pattern of Christ himself is repeated throughout scripture and many other leaders. So yeah, I totally resonate with you. Pain is one of the most important instruments God uses to form us. I mean, I've told people and and you're right. I mean, you know, you know, in in a lot of years of ministry, I've got a lot of spears in my back. Um and those are coming from the ranks that I thought I was with, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And in reality, Mm -hmm. as we get into actually the next series that I'm going to be doing uh, on the diversity of unity, you know, we may be injured or or, uh, hurt by fellow brothers and sisters in the church. And the tendency is then to exacerbate divisiveness and to ostracize people and isolate and become exclusive when in reality we got to accept the, rea- the the fact that in all of this diversity of hermeneutic and all this diversity of approaching ministry differently, we are all part of the same body of Christ and we mm-hmm. need one another. And the hardest part is forgiveness, release, self-surrender, all of that. So I love where you're going with this. And I hope it characterizes the priority of your ministry going forward. Amen. I, I presume so, that's kind of a big priority for you. Oh yes, and we have now both referenced Mary, and at the beginning of my uh, tenure here as bishop, I was starting to reread the Gospel of Matthew, and for Joseph, when suddenly his life takes a turn that he did not expect, and he's deliberating, you know, what do I do? And Mm -hmm. clearly a well-intentioned man wanting to be faithful to God, he's afraid. Uh, And when the messenger of God comes to him and says, do not be afraid, the phrase that I keyed in on at the beginning of October was, what is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Mm. Do not be afraid. Mm. And so I've been praying and I've invited other groups of people that I've been with in the last few months to pray with me that we wouldn't be afraid of the future. 
let what is conceived in us be of the Holy Spirit. So Mm. we have that peace and confidence as we step into it and as we move forward. Uh, We mentioned before we started uh, the podcast, the future of denominations. Mm -hmm. And I think it is incredibly tempting to be despairing and afraid about the future of our denominational families. At the base of it all, um, Jesus is building his church. So one way or another, I'm going to be part of that, and I'm going to continue to invite people into that work of God's redemption of the world as the church. And at the same time, it's weighty, right? And that and we're looking at denominations that are ceasing to exist. I mean, yes. ones that you and I would know. It's very weighty. And I don't want to fear that. What I want is to continually ask the Spirit to give us wisdom and discernment and unity for how we approach moving forward. That when we can really look at each other and say, <laughs> do not be afraid. What is conceived in us is of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, amen. Amen. Go. Yeah. Amen. Well, you know, you're on the you're you're on the freeway, so to speak, of this new chapter of life, and um, it's very cool to hear some of the thoughts that that shape your heart, your passion, and and obviously then your leadership, your gifting, your ministry. Um, you know, I just pray that God will multiply that many fold. And you know that, you know, I've sat in this role, the role that you have, and I discovered that the greatest challenge was not so much managing schedules, busyness, travel, or even issues of the denomination globally. The greatest, uh, I mean, you know, you can do that. You know, you figure out how to do that. The, the, um, the most amazing thing goes back to what you said at the very beginning, Kay, and that was when you sense the burden on your shoulders. I mean, to me, you know, it was from a management standpoint, it's not a hard role to fulfill. You know, you've got people helping you and you can schedule things, you can manage your time and all of that. The weightiest burden is in the middle of the night, waking up, sensing what you just described fell on your shoulders on behalf of thousands of churches around the world, millions of people around the world. Not that you're controlling them all, but that you have influence and what you do makes a difference in the kingdom advancement through those structures. So that burden is a weighty burden. And I know there are a lot of people listening to this who are going to be praying for you. Yeah, thanks. I think you, as you say that, one of the important questions for us in the Free Methodist Church 2023 is, will the role of the bishop make a difference and have influence? Are we doing the right things for mm-hmm. where we are now and where we need to go and to have the opportunity to really evaluate that with some of some of our structure and what what we inherit you know maybe I'm doing some things Kevin that you were doing um and maybe I shouldn't be mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that was a long time ago 
Yeah. So I'm not going to say how long, but I was going to say I maybe just sounded offensively enthusiastic when I said no, yes. Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah. No. But I'm, anyway, yeah, we we want to be using what yes. opportunity and influence yes. we have for the good of the church, yes. uh, not yes. just doing things. So, yes, good yes, for you. Pray for us that way. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, and Kay, we didn't even get into a number of the questions I wanted to talk to you about. And frankly, even as we were talking and you were telling your story about some of the pain that came out of the fact that you are a woman pastor and an ordained woman, that you are a spiritual leader and now an overseer, um, I want to I want to talk about that, and so I might just tap you on the shoulder again and say, let's get back to that, and a few other key leaders. We're going to be talking to Dr. Sunberg, Carla Sunberg, in a in a few weeks, who's a dear friend and a in a similar role to yours in another denomination, and a few others. But I want to get back to that one because you know the pain that you testify to coming from within the church over that issue is is a deep one and it's very divisive and it's increasingly divisive and and uh, I want I want to try to address that on our conversations yeah. here but but I but we're we're at the end of our time and and we'll get back to that so I might see if we can reschedule you at some point uh, Kate, what a joy to have you um, and and for your willingness to share your journey with everybody that's listening um, in this new chapter of life. Bless you and thank you. Thank you. It was fun to be on the call. So, well, yes, I'm happy to come back and talk about women in ministry. Uh, it's I not imagine you are. My issue. It's our issue. It is our issue. Exactly. And that's why it's a big deal for me. And it was a big deal, I would would say to you, uh, a few decades ago. And so I'm kind of identifying the age difference here and and the difference in role. A couple of decades ago when I was in your role, uh, it was... It was a big deal, and frankly, and I'll and I'll turn the corner with this statement: there were people that I chose not to ordain because of that. So, um, you know, it is a big issue that we need to engage and we need to address in a very humble but uh, prophetic and and uh, kingdom minded way. Yeah. Um, thanks so well, much. May the Lord bless you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So to everybody, uh, glad you're joining us. Uh, let me encourage you to uh, share this, subscribe and share. Uh, this is a great opportunity to hear through the through the voice of Bishop Coldy about the nature of pastoral leadership, formation, the deep roots that shape pastors. I sure hope you'll take this and listen to it a few times and and try to glean some of the deeper nuances of what she's been talking to us about. And as I said before, feel free to drop drop us a note if you'd like to, uh, podcast at anchoredandreaching.com. And I look forward to, I hope you'll join us in the startup of the next series. Next week, we begin a whole new series called The Diversity of Unity. And there's many different uh, streams of the church, but we are one body of Christ. We are one kingdom. So thanks for joining us. Look forward to having you with us and uh, say, share this with as many people as you know, because I know that God can use this in your heart and, it, and he can use it in their hearts. God bless you.
Let me encourage you to keep leaning into the wonderful adventure of becoming all that God has envisioned for you to be. Anchoring yourself in a secure identity, you reach with confidence to engage with people and daily life all around you. Allow your curiosity to explore and find God in the edges. Please take time to share this podcast with all your friends and invite them to join me in upcoming weeks as we explore together this exhilarating journey of being anchored and reaching.